So today, um, we're continuing our series called Why. And two weeks ago, we talked about why do bad things happen to good people? And then last week, Joel talked about why didn't God answer your prayer? If you missed last week's um, service and also the week before, definitely, Joel, you did an amazing job talking about that topic. And the week before, it's a great teaching too for all of us to be able to wrestle with these questions of why. You could tune in to our podcast. You could go to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. You could look on this YouTube account and look at the old messages as well so you could listen to them. Or you could go to the CF app and listen to all the messages too. But we don't want you to miss out on what God has been speaking and saying during the last two, three weeks. But today we're going to be tackling the question, why is God silent? Why is God silent? You've done everything you know how to do, and there's nothing, zip, nada, when it comes to your connection with God. You feel like, and you see, you really feel nothing, you don't see anything. It's almost like pure silencio, and you're wondering what's going on. You see, you're not able to connect, and at least it seems like God is not around and he's silent. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The title of today's message is, Why is God Silent? So if you feel this way, you're not the only one. In Scripture, we could see examples too. In Psalm 109, verses 1 through 5, it says this. It says, David is saying, my God, whom I praise, I'm going to go back to that too. So whom I praise, do not remain silent. For, for people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. And I'm going to highlight this too. It says, but then he says, but I am a man of prayer. They repaid me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. So here he's like voicing out to God and he's pretty much saying, it's like, look, do not remain silent, God. Do not remain silent. And in the midst of um, King David saying this, he highlights whom I praise and I'm a man of prayer. So he's almost throwing those two things in there in the midst of the psalm. It's like, hello, God. It's like he, he did like a milli hello. Hello. Like, you know, it's like I'm a man of prayer. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty much a, a person that praises you, whom I praise. I praise you, God. And all this is happening in my life. And you're silent. You're silent. Also in Psalm 22, verses 1 through 2, it says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. And of course, even that, that psalm, it's highlighted with Jesus as well. Some of us know that. But there, the word forsaken means abandoned or deserted. So that's also how King David has felt as well. Job cried out in Job 30, 20. He says this, I cried out to you, God, but you do not answer. 
I stand up, but you merely look at me. So even that verse, like, I, I, I find it, like, a little funny, too. Like, you know, besides, the, obviously, he's pouring out his heart, and it's like, and he says, I stand up, and all you do is you look at me. You merely look at me. It's almost like, a, like he's giving the impression of a parent looking at their child, not saying anything, seeing them in need, and not doing anything. So here, Job is highlighting, I cried out to you, God, but you don't answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. Could you relate to them in one way or another? Maybe you feel like God's abandoned you. Maybe you feel that God's deserted you. Maybe you feel like he's super silent, super distant. You probably feel like he's just standing up looking at you in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the circumstances, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of everything you're going through, and there's complete silence. I want to let everyone know here The truth is, if God seems far from us, who is the one that moved? Who's the one that created the distance between God and us? It wasn't God. God has always been present. Who's the one that's created pretty much the bad internet, spiritual internet signal between us and God? It wasn't God. I mean, if anything, God's gone out of his way to show his love for all of us. And we know that Jesus even came down, died on the cross for all of us so that we could have that connection. It wasn't God. So if you feel like there's a bad internet signal between you and God, if you feel like it's worse than even back then in the AOL days, the reality is God is not the one that's moved away. You have. In one way or another, you've moved away. And we'll dive that, uh, into that in a little bit to highlight that and explain it. Because I want to let you know that God is always, always, he's always working. Who could deny that? He's always working. He's always speaking. And God is always doing something. You know, when I was little, and obviously some of us here will be able to relate with this too, I used to love to play games in the neighborhood. Like, I know nowadays, like, so many people, uh, they stay home just to play video games. Like, back then, we used to play outside in the streets and and had a lot of childhood games. So, like, hide-and-go-seek was a big one in, in our neighborhood. And I'll never forget, like, if I'm the one that has to hide... I want, want to be the one that no one could find. You want to find the perfect hiding spot. Or if you're the one looking for the person that's hiding, you're obviously going around trying to find the person. And sometimes you might be, you might be that person that's, oh, oh, it was impossible to find you when you were playing hide and go seek. You probably went inside and pretty much went to sleep and the kids in the neighborhood were still looking for you. So all of a sudden it's like here in this game that we've played in, God doesn't play hide-and-go-seek with us. He doesn't hide from us and pretty much just messes around with his creation and his children and wonders, like, I'm going to just stay over here to see if they eventually find me and trying hard not to be found. If anything, God has an open arms ready to be found by you. I remember also another childhood game, and some of you might have played it. And if you've played this before, you could even comment. I used to play that too when I was little. Is one, two, three, red light. 
One, two, three, red light. You would turn around, one, two, three, red light. And little by little, we would inch closer to the person. And, and that's a game that I, sometimes I see it played nowadays, but not too much. But I just want to let you know, God's not playing one, two, three, red light with you. God is not turning his back to you and once in a while looking at you and forcing you to stop. And you're like scared to take steps forward to get close to God. You know what I mean? And little by little, your goal is to be able to inch your way so you are able to touch God and to embrace him and to love on him, you could say. God's not playing one, two, three, red light with you or hide and go seek. God is able to be reached. He's able to be found. You're able to have a close relationship with him like never before. We need to realize that. You see, God is always working. We know that he's advancing his plans and nothing, let me tell you, nothing is going to be able to stop God's plans. Nothing's going to be able to stop. God is advancing his kingdom and he is absolutely greater than anything else in this entire world. Any circumstance, any virus, any problem, any issues, anything else, God is greater. Nothing will be able to stop his plans and he's always working. He's always speaking always speaking. And right now you might be like listening to me like, what are you talking about? I haven't heard him in like 50 years. You know what I mean? God is always speaking, okay? And I, let me tell you, he speaks through circumstances. He speaks through people. He speaks through nature. He speaks, of course, through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through music. He speaks through dreams. Like in scripture, he spoke through a donkey. Like there's nothing that could stop God from communicating to us, but we could interfere with the signal if we decide to walk away in one way or another. And we'll dive in a little bit more, but I want to highlight to you a couple passages so you could see that God is always speaking, God is always moving, God is always doing something. He's always working, okay? So in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is this, for, God, for the word of God is, act, is alive. That word alive also comes from a word that means effective. It's alive, it's effective. And active, the word active also means at work. Pretty much it's alive, it's effective, it's at work. God's word is always alive and effective. So if you're feeling as though God's not speaking to you, my question to you, have you been reading God's word? Have you been reading God's word? Because God's word is alive and active. God's word is not dead and inactive. It's alive and active. And as you listen to God's word, God's word speaks to your heart, mind, soul, and being. Are you listening to God's word? It says this, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirits. Spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Have we opened the Bible? For those of us that would say, it's like, you know what, Pastor Carlos, I feel like I haven't heard God's voice in a long time. Have you, are, are you diving into Scripture? Because he speaks through his word. In Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, it says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my dead in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. Right there, I love that passage because it highlights you can't outrun God. You can't outrun him. Nope, impossible. You could try to run as fast as you can. You could try to hide as much as you can. God is absolutely everywhere and he's always with you. We know he'll never leave you or forsake you. But obviously we could turn our backs on God. In Acts 17 verse 28, it says this, For in him, think about that, in him we live and move and have our being. As some of um, your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So we live in him. So I want you to imagine, imagine a baby in a mother's womb start speaking and say, I don't know where my mother's at. Uh, my mother left me. You know what I mean? Like, my mother's not around. My mother, you know, she abandoned me. She deserted me. No, nope, you're inside your mother's womb. You can't run away from your mom. You're in your mother's womb. And in the same way, we live in God. So there's no outrunning God, and there's no God has abandoned me or deserted me or anything like that. You are in God, and in him is where we find ourselves. Also in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 17, it says this. Um, Jesus was saying, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now Jesus is making this promise, will never leave you. And some of you watching this today, you need to be reminded of that. That God will never leave you. No matter what you're going through, he will never leave you. He is there with you every step of the way. And through this series, we've also learned that God never said that we wouldn't go through hard times. But he said that he'll walk with us through those hard times. But we have a choice to either open our hearts to God and let him have his way in our lives or close our hearts to God and try to do things on our own. But that's a choice that you would have to make. In verse 17, just to continue, it says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So right there it highlights how the Holy Spirit is leading us into all truth. So he's guiding us. He's speaking to us. He's encouraging us um, and leading us to, into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. So right there you see, it's like, you know what? God is there. But the world is not looking for God. Pretty much they've walked away. They created the distance. Remember I asked you before, it's like, you know, who created the distance between you, you and God? God or you? It's like, you know, like we could walk away and create that distance. And then there in that passage it says, who doesn't recognize, didn't recognize him. And so many times we might not recognize God doing the things that he's doing in our lives. I mean, God has been with you in so many ways, but we're so quick to forget what God has done. One of the things that always surprises me when I read the scripture is how many times God says the word, remember, remember. 
It's like we forget. We forget what God's done. We forget how God delivered you. We forget how God was there for you. We forget how God provided that job for you at that time. We forget how God came through and healed your marriage. We forget how God delivered you from that addiction in the past. We forget when you had no money and you had no idea how you're going to get through, all of a sudden something came through. We forget that God whispered in the middle of the storm we were in, and even though it seemed like it was chaos around us, he brought peace. We forget the things that God does in our lives. And I just want to tell you even that one word, remember, we can't forget what God does. And then it says this, just to finish off, it says this, um, in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 17, it says, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And we know that the Holy Spirit is within us as well. In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, it says this. I love this um, passage too because it shows us that even nature, nature all around us. I know like the weather has gotten so much nicer this weekend. And I appreciate all of you that are joining us this morning because some some people might have said, look, I'm going to go out. You know, definitely put God first and everything. And if you go out, on a little side note, Make sure you still social distance. Make sure tienen la mascaras because we're still in the middle of everything that's happening. So definitely don't put your guard down. But here, nature, when you go out, you take a little stroll around your neighborhood and you see the, the flowers in your neighborhood or you might go to the park or you might see the trees. You might see everything around you, just a beautiful sky. It says this in Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. So right there you see, it's like even nature is speaking loud. But then this is interesting how it continues. They have no speech, pretty much saying they're not able really to speak, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. To the ends of the world. So right there, nature is making it crystal clear that you know what? God is real. God is always working. God's there with you. God loves you, and God is there in every way possible, side by side with you. The message is crystal clear. In Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, and this is the last verse I'm going to highlight in this section, it says this, For forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So pretty much, I'm going to take a pause there. Pretty much is saying that in that passage is that everyone, everyone that's ever lived could clearly see God's eternal power and divine nature just by looking at nature. You know what I mean? Just by looking at his creation, you could see this. And then I love the next um, sentence. It says this. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. 
They have no excuse. You don't have an excuse either to not knowing him in a deeper matter, uh, manner either. There's no excuse because even nature is proclaiming who God is in our lives. So right now I want to say, you know, why is God silent? Or why does God seem silent to you? That's actually the better question. There's four reasons I want to highlight. And obviously there could be more reasons too. But these are four biblical reasons why to you he might seem distant. But it's obvious with all the verses that I just finished reading, God's closer than what you think. And he's there with you. The first one is this. The first point is you're entertaining sin in your life. You're entertaining sin in your life. In Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2, it says this, But your iniquities, which means sins and wickedness, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. So I want you even to look at this. It's like, what has separated, what has caused that signal between you and God to really become distorted or not connected? It says, your sins have. And then it says, it's, it's caused a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden your, um, his face from you. It wasn't that God has hidden his face from you. Your own sins have hidden your, um, his face from you. So you will not be able to hear. And I want to highlight too, it says there, um, the, uh, have separated you from God. There pretty much... Uh, in some translations, says created barriers, made walls. So your own sins could have created barriers between you and God, made walls between you and God. It's almost as if I would tell you too, it's like, you know, does the sun stop shining? You know, the sun is always shining brightly. But like, that in the same way, God is shining brightly and speaking into our lives, you could say. But when there's a black, big rain cloud that might block the sun, you know, it doesn't mean that the sun has stopped shining. The sun is still shining brightly. Something got in its way, and it's our sin. Right now you're watching this, some of us, and we might be entertaining sin in our lives. We've accepted it. We've justified it. We say, it's okay. God understands. You might feel as though it's like, you know what? It's like, as long as I don't get caught, as long as my wife doesn't find out or my husband finds out, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, you know, it's like, and all of a sudden it becomes your pet sin, the sin that you just pretty much bring with you wherever you go. And you don't really even think that it's causing any harm because it's your pet sin. But sin brings death, and it's destroying your relationship with God. And let's keep it real. It doesn't just destroy your relationship with God. It destroys your relationship with those around you. Because if you're entertaining sin, sin brings death. You know, we have to stop coming up and justifying it, coming up with excuses. You know, you're making that decision. And the bottom line is this. Is the pleasure of that sin you're entertaining greater than the pleasure that you would have being close to God? It's like, you, 
we could easily be deceived and lied to by the enemy to think it's like what the enemy is offering us is better than what God has for us. You don't want any wall, any barrier, any sin to be in the way between you and God. Jesus went a long way to take care of the sin problem and be able to reconnect us with God. The last thing that we need to do is create walls between us and God. And you're the only one that could do that. Some of us might be here and say, you know what, I'm not into construction, but let me tell you, you've been constructing a lot of walls. You might not be going to Home Depot and buying the brick and the mortar, but you've been buying and using other things and doing other things to be creating spiritual walls between you and God. When are you going to decide is enough and it's enough? When are you going to decide to really strip everything away when it comes to things interfering with you and God and to chase after God like never before? What are you waiting for? Life is short. If anything, during this pandemic, we realize one of the lessons we could easily learn is that life is extremely short. Are you going to live it for God, giving it everything you have? Are you going to half-step it, put one foot in the world and one foot with God? Let me tell you, God doesn't roll like that. The only thing that happens with that is you've convinced yourself it's okay. God, you know, God doesn't accept that, that lifestyle. God doesn't accept that pretty much commitment that you're trying to give. God wants all of you, all of you, your entire heart, mind, and soul. What are you waiting for? So the first reason why we might feel as though God might seem distant is that you're entertaining sin in your life. Today's the day the entertainment has to stop. And you're the only one that can make that choice. No one can make that choice for you. The second reason is this. Your heart has become cold towards God. Your heart has become cold towards God. In Isaiah 29 verse 13, it says this. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on mere human rules that they have been taught. So right here, you clearly see, right here, you clearly see that God is highlighting that there's people that come up to them, to him, to praise him, to worship him, to honor them, him with their lips, but their heart is far away from him. Their heart has drawn cold away from God. So here with this passage, this, this is talking about church people. This is talking about those that consider themselves being children of God. You might have the right talk. You might know how to honor God with your lips. You might know how to worship God. You might know how to say your hallelujahs, your amens. You, you might be even, even able to quote some scripture. You might be able to do so many different things that in, in your life, like, you know, all of a sudden it's like everyone might look at you and think that you're close to God. All of a sudden they might think that you're close to God, but in reality, your heart is far away. And that goes with all of us. It's not like, you know, it's those that come to the church. You could be a volunteer. You could be a leader. You could be an elder. You could be a pastor. It could be any of us that all of a sudden we know the right things to say. We know the right things to do. We know everything when it comes to church life, but our heart has drawn cold. 
Her, our heart has grown cold. And let me tell you something. You're the only one that could keep that fire burning in your heart through God. You're the only one. You can't blame the church. You can't blame another leader. You can't blame anyone else. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame anything else. You can't blame the circumstances. It's your responsibility to keep that fire burning in your heart. It's your responsibility. No one else's is your responsibility. As a church, we're here to help you, to teach you, to equip you, to encourage you, to inspire you, to guide you. But in the end of the day, you're the one that has to keep that fire burning close and deep within your heart. No one else. God sees your heart. How's your heart? Is your heart on fire for God? Some of us, we love camping, and I, I'll never forget any time I go camp. I don't go camping too much, you know what I mean? I'm a city guy here in Elizabeth. But whenever we go camping, you know, I always look over my shoulders for the bears and stuff like that, and the chupacabras, because the chupacabras, they be out here. You know, it's not just in Puerto Rico. The chupacabras are in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, New York. They're everywhere. So all I know when we go camping and we have a bonfire, like so many times, like, yo, that fire is dying down. Someone put more, more limbs in it, more, you know, more branches in it, put some newspaper in it. It's like you constantly have to be on top of that fire to make sure that it's burning. Are you on top of the fire within your heart? Because if, you're, if the fire within your heart is diminishing, it's like you're the only one that can spark it up again. And for those of you that are the men of the house, the head of the household. I'm going to let you know, you actually have the responsibility for your families too. Because all of us, we have our individual responsibility. But you as the men of the house, like uh, uh, the head of the house, you're also responsible to make sure that the fire is burning in your wife and your kids, to make sure you're leading them, creating the opportunities for them to be able to, you're pretty much handing them the branches so that they could also stir the fire within them. Are we doing that? Are we just coasting with our Christianity? You know, there's no such thing as cruise control when it comes to following Jesus. You're either going full speed ahead or you're going backwards. There's no such thing as neutral. So if you feel as though you're neutral and God is silent, let me give you a little news for you. You're actually going backwards and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. You need to stop that vehicle, put pretty much your gas to the, um, your pedal to the metal, go full speed ahead and do what you have to do for God. The third reason is this. You're not obeying God's commands. You're not obeying God's commands. In John chapter 14, verse 21, it says this. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. I just want to pause there real quick. Recently, I, I heard someone said this, and it impacted me so much. I was like, yeah, definitely. They, they pretty much mentioned how God's love language, God's love language is not gifts, is not touch. You know, it's not words. It's not time. God's love language is obedience. It's obedience. If you want to talk God's love language, it's obedience. He wants you to obey him. So here it says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him 
And look at the next part. And show myself to them. So God wants, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to reveal himself to you, but he wants you to obey him. So are you obeying him? And let, let me, I'm going I'm to say something very deep right now. Ready? This is very deep. Okay? You know, God asking us to, com, um, to follow his commands is a command. What? That's, that was deep, right? <laughs> I'm just joking, but it is straightforward. It's as straightforward as you can get. You know, when God wants you to follow his command, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. Some of us, we feel it's like, you know, God, you're not speaking to me. It's like we haven't even done the last thing he told us to do. He gave you a command probably uh, two weeks ago, two months ago, a year ago, and God's still waiting for you to move on the last thing he told you, crystal clear as an action step in your life, and you're just caught up with pretty much what you want to hear new, and God's saying, yo, my message is consistent, still the same. This is the, my message for you, but we're not responding. So just because, you know, like, you might feel like, like you know, God hasn't given you, like, a new command, something. When I say command, is, is something that he's asking you to do. And, and you might feel like God hasn't said something new. He's waiting also probably on to, for you to act on the last thing he told you to do. Like, we have to stop playing games with God. God's not going to be mocked. God wants you to obey him, obey him. And the fourth thing is this, the fourth thing, the fourth reason why God might seem distant is you're distracted by life and this world. You're distracted by life and this world. Jesus, so many times through the Gospels, he says this phrase, and I want you to listen to this. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. So right there, he's pretty much saying, it's like, it's like, you need to listen up. You need to pay attention. Obviously, everyone has ears, but he says, just because you have ears doesn't mean you're listening. Just because you have ears doesn't mean you're paying attention. Sometimes Jen and I, we're at home, and we're trying to talk to each other, but we might be walking into a different room, or we might be going a different direction. And just because we have ears, you know, all of a sudden, if we walk a little too far away, the, pretty much the level of the voice diminishes, and that other person, whether it's her or me, we might think that we've communicated with the person, but yet... We have ears, but we didn't hear anything because we were walking away and we created space between us and the other person. And I know married couples watching, you could relate to that. Like that happens often when it comes to our relationships, but that happens with, when it comes to God and us. It's like just because we have ears doesn't mean that you're listening. God wants you to listen to him. Not just to hear him, not just to hear that he's saying something to you, but to listen to what he's saying and to apply what he's saying. That's a choice you have to make. We have to decide not to be distracted because right now, really, in our life, there's a lot of distractions. Some of them are good distractions, you know, when it comes to, it could be your family. You might be trying to have some uh, uh, alone time with God, and then all of a sudden, like, your kids might storm into the room and disrupt it. But 
all in, in all in all, we know in our lives that we need to protect that time with God with everything that we have. And we have to minimize the noise. We have to silence the noise and amplify God's voice in our lives. So what distractions is it for you? Right now, you might spend more time on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You might spend more time watching the news, which is the same thing over and over again, just giving you more bad news over more bad news. You might spend all your time just like fooling around or sleeping. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who knows what you're doing? But in the midst of all that, where's God? Where's God? Because God wants to spend time with you. God willing, soon all this pandemic will be over and we'll go back to normal. But this time that we're spending, where literally this pandemic has stripped away pretty much all the sports, it's stripped away pretty much all us like driving to locations or anything like that. It's stripped away for some of us our work, our free time when it comes to the things we were doing outside. It's stripped away so many different things, so many distractions for us. Some of us, we've been chasing after money and career and degrees and just having more power or more influence or whatever it is you might be chasing after. God has stripped all of that away. And if there's another lesson that we could tune into during this time period of the pandemic, is that God's getting our attention. And does he have your attention? Or as everything has been stripped away, but yet you filled it with so many other things except God. Today's a day you have to decide to put God first. So here, as I wrap up, I want to remind you that God's always working. He's always speaking. He's always doing something, always. But it might be us entertaining sin, letting our hearts be cold, not obeying him, and allowing distraction to come into our lives that's created space between us and God and it makes him feel like he's distant. If you look at the first image that we put in the beginning where it says no connection, if we could put that image back up, where it says no connection right on the bottom, it says retry or stay offline. Retry or stay offline. That's the call for you today. We started off the teaching talking about internet connections and then transition to the uh, spiritual connection. Today, as we end this teaching, you have a choice to make. Spiritually, you could retry and tackle these things that I highlighted that's creating barriers or walls between you and God, or you could choose to stay offline, go through the rest of your life not really being close to God. And let me tell you, that's not a good life to have. So right now, this moment, wherever you're at, I want you to bow your heads. And maybe you're here watching this today, and you know that you need to repent. 
you know that you have to repent. You need to ask God for forgiveness. You need to ask him for forgiveness for entertaining sin, for letting your heart's passion and desire for him growing cold, for not obeying him when he tells you things to do, and also for allowing distractions to really block the view of God. So right now, with every head bow, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for everyone that's watching right now. God, I pray that even now, through your spirit, you would reveal to every person that's watching. If they feel as though that you seem distant, I pray that you would reveal to them why, according to the things we've highlighted. Because we know that you're always working, you're always doing something, you're always speaking. Even nature is constantly proclaiming who you are about your power and your divine nature. So God, we just pray right now, Lord God, as we bow our hearts, as we surrender, as we ask for forgiveness, God. We pray that every wall would be broken, every barrier would be destroyed, everything in the way removed. God, I pray that you would set our hearts on fire like never before, that there would be such a passion for you and your word and to do what you've called us to do like never before. God, we pray, Lord God, that we would remove all distractions, God, that we wouldn't allow any distraction to come in our lives, Lord God, and God, that we would stop entertaining sin, that we would look at sin for what it is. It's death. It's death when it comes to our relationship with you, God. It's death to the, the other things around our lives. It brings destruction, God, that we would walk in holiness and in purity, God, because we know that you want to transform us from the inside out. So God, right now as a big family, we just surrender everything to you. And we ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much, so much for watching. And just know that we're here for you as a church. I want to remind you that if there's right now anything happening in your family, or if there's something that you know that, that the church should know because we might be able to help, please reach out to us. We want to know if any of your family members might not be feeling well for prayer, or maybe we could even help and provide some food, whatever it may be. But we're here to walk this journey with you in every way that we can. We love you and continue to love God, make disciples, and change the world. Because without question, we are doing that as a family. Take care.